This is NFL.com's Coaches Show Podcast. 40 men together can't lose. This is why you lift all them weights. Everybody's grabbing out there. Nobody's got them. And now we're going. There's a gleam, men. There's a gleam. To check out the Coach Show podcast, I'm Brian Billick here with Steve Mariucci. This week, we recap the Broncos Seahawks Super Bowl rematch and analyze Chip Kelly's methods in Philadelphia. Plus, Cowboys head coach Jason Garrett discusses DeMarco Murray's impressive season so far and Tony Romo's health. The Coach's Show podcast recapping week three in the NFL starts now. Well, Coach, as always, it's a great week three. It's, I, we know we never start the show and go, you know what, this weekend really sucked. So let's just don't talk football anymore, okay? Uh, but it was there, a great weekend, though. It was. And, let's, yeah. and we got to go right to, obviously, the two best games, I thought. They were all good games, okay. but the ones, let's start with that Bronco-Seahawk game. I mean, just the way that Ooh. thing ebbed and flowed. And I thought, uh, initially, it looked like it was not going to be good. It looked, looked like it was going to be the Super Bowl. I think the Broncos saved their season and saved the NFL this week. Because if, if they had kept going that way, it would have been, well, why are we playing the rest of the season? Peyton Manning's going to throw 50 touchdowns again. He's going to go to the playoffs. They're going to go to the Super Bowl, and Seattle's going to kill them. Um, even though they didn't win the game, they showed, you know what, if these two teams were to meet again and maybe meet in Super Bowl at Arizona, maybe it's a different outcome. Yeah, and Brian, in a neutral site. Yeah. Not that it won't be loud over in Arizona, but it'll be a bipartisan crowd. And I think, you know, this might have been the two best teams, and maybe we were looking at a Super Bowl preview. I but it was, it was dominated by the Seahawks, like you said, for a long time. And then Peyton wasn't having the game that he expected or hoped for. But you know what? Great quarterback, sooner or later, they're going to get a chance to just put a drive together when it counts the most. That's what these great guys do. And, of course, that last drive put together by the Broncos under a minute and go down and score and then go for two and die it. And, and boy, oh, boy, what a classic game. And, we all thought that the rematch would be closer, and largely because the Broncos are simply a better team right now. They're healthier, right? They got guys back, you know, Von Miller and Derek Wolf are playing, and then you got all these acquisitions that John Elway made in the offseason with Demarcus Ware and Aqib Tlaib and T.J. Ward. and well, They're a better team, especially on defense. So, hey, these teams might face each other again sometime, but what a classic regular season game. And let's, let's critique a little bit and talk a little bit about those last drives in particular. Peyton Manning, I thought Seattle maybe blinked a little bit in that drive because yeah. they seemed to become a little more passive, thinking, okay, you got to go length the field. They had to get a touchdown and two-point conversion. So, so it, was, it could be, well, let's let the clock work in our favor. Let's see, wh- whatever it should have been, it's don't give them the big play down the field because can Peyton Manning, even though he's brilliant, make enough plays underneath? I was surprised at their ability to get the bigger plays down the field when they broke down the coverage all but stepping up in the pocket and it broke down the safety a little bit. I was surprised by some of the big chunks that Manning was able to get. Yeah, he didn't have to check it down and be real patient, and he liked to, he liked running that wheel play several times in the game. He kept repeating it. But how many times, Brian, have, have we seen games with two real good quarterbacks in it and, and you say – this game will be won by the quarterback who has the ball last. And boy, did that prove to be true because, you know, you give the ball back with under a minute to Peyton Manning and you hope you, hope you can get him off the field and stop him, but they didn't. And then, 
And then I think we're going to revisit, maybe we're going to revisit the overtime rule again because Peyton Manning didn't get back on the field. Russell Wilson took that team down the field and scored a touchdown, which ends the game. And he had a run for a couple of third and threes. And that's, that's the kind of – there are some players in the league that can't run for a first down. Russell Wilson's one of those guys that can, and sure enough, he did. And I think it was fabulous that the, the two-point conversion that went to Demarius Thomas – challenge the unchallengeable Richard Sherman yep. and which shows you in this yep. game and that's saying nothing against Richard Sherman he's the best corner in the game right now but Peyton Manning saying look this is where I've got to go for us to win I don't care who that is and he it was a phenomenal coverage it was just a phenomenal <laughs> pass and catch so it's it's the NFL at its best but it underlined compared to watching some other teams that aren't going to go near Richard Sherman yeah. well if you're not even going to challenge Richard Sherman then you're probably not going to beat the Seattle Seahawks if you're going to challenge him, though, Brian, you know, you probably want to challenge him with a great receiver, right? Demarius Thomas is a big, strong man that had 13 catches in the Super Bowl, and they kind of shut him down a little bit in this game. But, uh, you know, sooner or later, uh, a good matchup against Richard Sherman will win once in a while. But they, they didn't shy away. But you know who, who didn't shy away? This Russell Wilson kid. Oh, boy. I don't want to, I don't want to call this a David and Goliath scenario, but he is undefeated against the big boys. He's beaten Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. He beats these guys. Nobody else does this. But 5'11", Russell Wilson is 7-0 against the big boys, and he's not really David. I mean, he's another Goliath kind of figure, too. This guy is incredible to me. And just the mindset of going in, and they win the toss, and knowing, well, I just saw future Hall of Famer Peyton Manning take his team the length of the field to score. If I don't do the same with my team, if I just take him down and get a field goal, we're going to lose this game because this is yeah. Peyton Manning. And, and we just saw him do it. What makes us think? And so to add, not that he would add that pressure to himself, but to step up to that challenge. Now, I want to critique Jack Del Rio, who I think ought to be a head coach in this league again, has done a phenomenal sure. job in Denver. Yeah. But I'm going to critique that a little bit. I thought it was brilliant on the part of Darren Bevel and Seattle to go into the no huddle to force Denver or, or limit Denver's ability to – orchestrate more of a fill-the-rush land. I mean, I'm going to be critical here. How on two, third, and fours do you let Russell Wilson get outside the pocket? Uh, I mean, (laughs) at some point, don't don't you as the head coach say, look, I don't care if he throws an 80-yard bomb down the middle of the field. If he's going to beat us, I want him in the pocket. Do not let him get outside. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just I I think it's a great player making some plays. And then, you know, Russell Wilson doesn't have – you know, the receiving weapons that some other teams might have. But he's got beast mode back there, and there's always the threat of the run. And you better darn well know that when your front seven and, and maybe eight have, has to stop the run game. Um, you know, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to critique that defense, the defensive calls because there were some tight plays. Uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't an easy drive at all. And so, you know, so, sometimes, uh, you know, when you – hey – May the best team win. It's going to come down to the last drive. You know what? Their mindset was, you're right, we have to score a touchdown or we're going to lose this game. Because if you punt or kick a field goal, forget about it. Peyton Manning has figured us out, and they're going to go down and score a touchdown. So we have to get six. And that's how the rules stated, and that's how they had to play the game. Well, we also had a phenomenal game in Philadelphia where, where the Eagles kind of outlasted the Redskins, 37-34. Reminds me, I had a game at San Diego State. We played Oregon. This is years and years ago when you, you and I were back in Southern California. We lost 62-60. to And after the what? game, Doug Scoville said, you know what? 
I'll be honest with you. I'd have thought 60 points would have worked. <laughs> That's what this game yeah. felt like. It was like you're not going to be able to score enough points. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what Philadelphia's doing. I don't, Nick Foles doesn't get enough credit because it's all about LaShawn McCoy and the system that Chip Kelly runs. LaShawn McCoy got the head injury, you know, came back in, really didn't have mm-hmm. a huge game. That offense is so predicated about uh, around him running the ball very well. Uh, and we know that that uh, that Washington is is a good defense, not a great defense. But boy, the the, the thing they got for them going for themselves right now, they never feel like they're out of it. Yeah, no. Then you know what the Eagles' skilled guys show me some toughness, Brian. You you mentioned uh, Lashawn McCoy getting hit, and boom, he had a concussion. And and he, did you see him? They, when you have a concussion, you have to go get checked on the sideline, and then if it's you know if it's fairly serious, you got to go back in the locker room and get get a get a test from a uh, neurologist. And so. They took his helmet away. Did you see him trying to grab the helmet out of that manager's hand? The guy was hiding it from him. Oh, you can't have it. I mean, this guy was so – he wanted to get back in the game so Which is bad. usually another sign and, of the concussion because they become a little volatile. <laughs> I guess he did. But you know what? He passed the test and he got back in with his helmet and he played pretty well. But Nick Foles showed me something that Nick Foles hasn't shown us before. This guy took so many hits after completions, after – on that – interception they thought it was an interception and he got lit up lit up and then he caused the fight and they're all fighting hey oh boy clear the benches it was crazy I didn't think Nick Foles was going to answer the bell after a couple of those hits and he just keeps he gets up and he keeps on swinging now and he goes and wins that game at the end Nick Foles we knew he could throw the ball but I didn't know this kid was that tough yeah and in fairness to Jim Hadley's defense let's remember that it did take a 102 yard kickoff return and two missed field goals by the Washington Redskins that were in position, any one of those would have made a difference in the outcome of the game. So, yeah, I I think all in all, Washington, although a loss is a loss, as we well know in this league, Washington can feel pretty good about itself. Uh, I'm still not sure about that uh, uh, Philadelphia defense. I'm not sure they have the ability to hold up against the better offenses in the league. Well, yeah, they're going to get some points. Well, that's the thing. They've got all their money, not all of their money, but a lot of money spent on offense with those weapons. And I, and I really like how Chip Kelly utilizes all of his weapons. You never know who the star is going to be because, you know, LaShawn McCoy was out. He didn't have a very productive day. Uh, you know, and here comes Jordan Matthews, the rookie from Vanderbilt, and he has a couple of big plays. And, and Jeremy Macklin, who didn't play last year because he was hurt he really has to replace a Deshaun Jackson well didn't he do that yeah 154 yards and so this offense seems to be able to utilize all of its weapons on any given time a couple of tight ends Brent Selleck and Ernst from over here in the East Bay uh, the kid from Stanford they they come up big in this game so I love watching this offense they need to get it started a little bit sooner they kind of have to win games at the end but, boy, it's hard to stop, and I'm, they're going to come and play San Francisco. I can't wait to watch that game. Uh, we, we, we've got to talk about Kurt Cousin, but we're going to do that later in the show because I have a question I want to ask you based on something I'm going to write this week for NFL.com. So we will come back to Kurt Cousin. But before we leave this game, I also want to talk about Gary Williams commented uh, after – this is after a win – commented about 
he's concerned about the way they work under Chip Kelly, that they're not fresh enough. And what he's referring to, and I've done a couple games in Philadelphia and watched their practices, and of all the things that Chip Kelly does that in, are inventive, it's the way they practice. They do it like no one has ever done it before in the NFL in terms of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They practice all week long. They find a, a – I'm not quite sure how they legally do it to give the players that 24 hours they're, have to, they're supposed to be off. But – and I will tell you, having been there, I've heard grumblings from the players directly then. And this is a team that's winning about, boy, this is, this is not right. We, we're, we're, we're practicing too long. We're, we're out here too long. We never have a day off. Let's talk about that now coming out from the players about Chip Kelly and the way he conducts his practices. Well, you got Kerry Williams, who won a Super Bowl, doing it some other way. And there's a typical routine that the, the, the most of the teams will have with the Come in Monday, look at the film, get some treatment. Tuesday's off, go to the dentist, cut the grass, whatever you do, and then the Wednesday, you know, through Friday and Saturday. Um, Chip does it differently than that. And if I'm not mistaken, his day off is, isn't it more like a, a Friday? Yes. And yep. then they have a little, you know, and he, he feels that the body will recover later in the week after those practices and then come back out and have a pretty good practice instead of that little walkthrough we have on Saturdays. Do, do more than that on Saturday after that Friday light day off. And so uh, it raised some eyebrows with all of us old-timers saying, hey, that's kind of weird. I thought you had to take Tuesday off. But you know what happened last year? They, they stayed healthy. They stayed healthy last year. In, in fact, they were one of the best teams that had the fewest guys put on injured reserve. And they had their offensive line start every single game, all five of them. And so they had some success. And, they, of course, they won the division. They had some success doing it that way. It was a new way. I asked Pat Shermer, and Pat Shermer comes from the West Coast offense. He did it just like we did it for years, right? And I said, how is it? He goes, well, it's different. It's new, but it seems to be working. He says, I'm, I'm learning how to do this this way. So it is different. Uh, maybe you can get away with it a little bit better in college, practicing that fast tempo, a lot of running, because you have more guys uh, sharing those reps or whatever that is with the scout teams and everything. Um, let's just let it see what happens and see where it goes, because I think so far so good in terms yeah. of the success he's having. Um, I don't know. In the, there are a few injuries they're having. So uh, if players and that's the grumble, key, the success they're having. If, if, you, if they were to hit that bump in the road, then you know you'd hear more of this because the Absolutely. players are naturally there'd be going, an uproar. Oh, then, yeah, then, then there'd be anarchy and mutiny and whatever. But as long as you're winning, it's, hey, just win, baby, and, and everything's good. They're winning and staying healthy. That's, yeah. that's two things where you go, hey, keep doing what you're doing. Let's talk, we're, we're, we're coming up on the quarter mark of the season. Let's talk a little bit about some of the early surprises. Obviously, I don't know that it's a surprise, but for me, obviously, the Cincinnati Bengals, and not that they're good. We knew they were good, but they're beginning to look like a dominating team, particularly at home. I'm not sure Cincinnati at home isn't beginning, for different reasons, to rival how difficult it is to play in Seattle. Clearly the two toughest places to play right now, Cincinnati and Seattle. Yeah, they're, they're a good football team, Brian. And then they were last year. You know, we thought, uh, but maybe losing the two coordinators, they would, they would take a step back or change or whatever. They're a better team than they were last year, and Andy Dalton's going to take that team, I think, deep into the playoffs. Uh, one surprise for me is the Green Bay Packers, and they're one and two. Now, they lost to Seattle in Seattle, which everybody loses in Seattle, right? But I didn't think they looked very good against the Lions in Detroit. I went and I spent time at, in their training camp and watched them practice and, and did the whole thing and interviewed Aaron and, man, alive. They look good to me. They look like a heck of a football team. 
Um, so I'm a little surprised that they're one and two right now and, and look a little pedestrian at times. So I think they're going to get it back. Uh, I sense a little frustration with Aaron Rodgers too right now. But uh, that, I'm, I'm a little surprised they're one and two. And the defense for the Packers concerns me. And Dom Capers, there's none better but as the defensive coordinator. I'm not sure what their identity is. I don't know if, you, yeah. if I were to, if someone to say, okay, you see the Packers, tell me what this defense is. I, I don't know what I'd, yeah, they got Clay Matthews and they're hoping Julius Peppers comes off the edge and uh, decent secondary, but I, I really don't know. Are they a pressure team? Are they a zone team? Are they a trap team? Are they all of the above? Yeah. I'm not sure what that identity is. Along that tone, I'm, I'm worried a little about your 49ers. Uh, they just, the look, that look in the second half, of the Chicago game, that, that deer in the headlights look. And down in Arizona now, they, for the first time, okay, you can get beat, you can not play well, you can turn the ball over. You know, the interception's obviously against Chicago. But and Arizona, who's a good physical team, they, they kind of whipped up on the 49ers, and the 49ers kind of took it. And that surprised me a little bit, uh, that they are, they've seemed to have lost that, that chip on their shoulder and that we know who we are and we know how good we are and we can deal with this. Yeah, I, I agree, and, and I'm sitting up here in the Bay Area, and I'm hearing all about it um, because they don't look like the same team. And you and you talked about that that attitude. You know, their big guys are just nasty on both sides of the ball, and and they didn't control the line of scrimmage in this game. So it's my second surprise team. It's a pleasant surprise. Is it would be the Arizona Cardinals because I thought they were going to be good, Brian. They were ten and six last year. But, man, they got decimated. You know, they, they didn't have Darnell Dockett or Daryl Washington. John Abraham now is out. Carlos Dansby. They, Carson Palmer's got a nerve in his throwing arm. So I thought, well, oh boy, you know what? Uh, Bruce Arians is going to have to retool this defense because they lost so many good players. Oh, oh my gosh. They're a good team. They're a good team, and they're rallying around this guy from Michigan State, Drew Stanton. And uh, this team right now uh, is the team that's chasing Seattle. And remember, the Arizona Cardinals, you know, Russell Wilson, 17-1 and one up there in Seattle. You know who beat him up there? Yeah, Arizona, Arizona Cardinals. last year. Yeah. And so the, the, I'm pleasantly surprised how Bruce has kept this team really, really playing well, maybe better than ever. Yeah, that's secondary in Arizona, which jumps out at me. Peterson, Cromartie, oh. uh, there's a few back there. That, that's a pretty good secondary. Well, another surprise team, at least a surprise win, has to be the Dallas Cowboys. We had a chance to talk to Jason Garrett. Dallas Cowboys overcame a 21-point deficit for the first time in franchise history during Sunday's 34-31 win at St. Louis. And joining us now is the head coach of those Dallas Cowboys, Jason Garrett. Congratulations, Coach. I know uh, there was never a doubt, right, the whole game? <laughs> yeah, never a doubt. We had them right where we wanted them. <laughs> yeah, to take the fans through a little bit. You, you're on the road, which is always tough to begin with. They go 80 yards for a score. They go 65 yards for a score. You throw a pick six. Talk about managing individually and collectively that attitude on the sideline where it would be very justifiable for panic to set in. Yeah, you know, I thought it was important for us as a coaching staff to show the right kind of demeanor to our players. And, and we have a young team, uh, but we also have a fairly mature team made up of guys who fight and who have great character. And, uh, you know, you said it. They went 15 plays, 80 yards on the first drive. We came back and drove the ball, but turned the ball over on a fumble. 
Uh, they came back and, and got more points. We throw a pick six. So before you know it, we haven't gotten that far into the ball game, and we're down by three scores. But I think guys had a resolve about them. You know, I thought we did a good job just focusing on the task at hand. It's an expression we use a lot. It's, it's play this play, execute this play, keep fighting. I thought we did that all three phases in our football team. You know, I've been on the phone all day to the FBI trying to find out who has <laughs> snatched all the free safeties in the league because I saw more free runners down the middle of the field, wide open. You had one with Des Bryant. Big play. Went for, I think, a 65-yarder. Tell us how that came about. Well, it was a big play in the game, uh, no question about that. And uh, we went hard play action, and uh, they were playing a single high defense. And we ran Terrence Williams on a deep over route, and, and their safety came and tried to grab him. And Dez somehow, someway beat the corner and got on top of him. You know, I thought Tony did a great job just kind of seeing how the whole thing unfolded. Sometimes it's hard to keep your eye on that free safety late in the down. But he saw him late, and obviously it starts with pass protection. He had a lot of time to look at it. Made a great throw. It was a big play in the game. You know, what impressed me, Coach, is watching the game unfold and, and having called plays in the league for a number of years. You, you're always getting beat up that, well, you're going away from the run too early. You don't run the ball enough. And, but down 21 nothing on the road, and particularly the way it came about, I don't know that you could have been uh, found too guilty of, ah, forget it, we're not going to catch up by running the ball. We may have to throw it 50 times to catch up. You didn't do that. You kept your balance. You ran the ball effectively. You actually ran the ball more than you, you, than you throw it. Talk, talk about that mentality of not panicking and getting away from the run. Well, I, I thought Scott Linehan did a really good job calling the game and, and really just to your point, staying balanced. It was important to drive the ball and score points. That's what the objective was. We didn't have to do it in a hurry. We just had to have some success. We felt like having some balance against a really good front was important. So we were persistent with the running game, even though it wasn't great for us early on. We were persistent with it, even though we were behind. Uh, and then when you do that, you're going to get some chances in the passing game. So, again, I think it starts up front. Our guys kept banging away. They were playing some run fronts, and we kept kind of banging away and had, had a little bit of success. Eventually started to control the line of scrimmage, running it, and also throwing the ball down the field. But I think the balance and the patience by Scott was a big part of the reason we came back in this game. You know Coach would not love to have a DeMarco Murray. What jumps out at me is – He's one of those guys that always seems to get positive yards. It, you, you're never going to be in those second and 15. Sec, you're, it, you may only be second and eight, but you're, gonna be, you're not going to be behind the chains because this guy always seems to get yards. Yeah, he's a really good downhill runner. And, uh, you know, we do some different things with our scheme. But at the end of the day, when, when your line comes off the ball and, and your runner goes downhill – you're going to give yourself a good chance of having success. And, you know, we have a lot of confidence in him. He's off to a great start. Uh, we're controlling the line of scrimmage. He's a big part of us controlling the game by running the football. And you said it. He's a downhill guy. He always seems to be falling forward. And that makes an impact on the defense. In looking at Tony the first two weeks, and I've commented a couple times like everybody, and watching him throw the ball, it just didn't seem like he had his full strength, his full stroke about him. Yesterday, he seemed more like himself. Is that a fair statement? How healthy is he? Yeah, I, I think it is a fair statement. And like with any, any player coming back off of an injury, you, you get better the farther you are away from the injury. And, and Tony's worked very hard coming back off his back surgery all throughout the offseason and training camp. And, you know, I think over the first couple of weeks of the season, you know, he's getting himself back into playing shape. 
so to speak, where he, where he feels his, his movements come naturally and instinctively to him. And I think getting a couple games under his belt, I think he felt healthier this week in practice, and certainly it showed up in the game. You know, in the offseason leading up to it, your defense is getting beat up with all sides of critics and this, that, and the other. And, and, you know, they gave up close to 450 yards on the day. But they stiffened at the right time. Leading up to this, they've been playing pretty good. Talk about keeping the mindset for your defense and keeping that confidence up. Yeah, I thought that was important. You know, St. Louis came into the game, and they made their first six third downs, and they drove the ball on the early drives, and they were kind of mix and run and pass, and, and, and they had us a little bit on our heels. But I thought our guys just did a really good job hanging in there, kept fighting. We made some stops in the run game. We made some third down stops. We made a stop in the red zone. And then obviously we made two critical turnovers uh, in, the, in the fourth quarter. Bruce Carter intercepting a pass and running it in, and then Mo Claiborne on the last play when they were trying to come back and kick the game-tying field goal makes that interception. So I thought it was a good bounce back by some individual players and by our defense collectively. You're going in playing a, a team, a New Orleans Saint team, that we always know is dangerous, Drew Brees and his 5,000-yard passing year every year, it seems like. Last time you played these guys last year, it was a tough day of 49-17. Do you draw on that at all? Do you show your team that film to say, look, this is where we made our mistakes, to give them confidence to say this is correctable, or do you just kind of throw that one away and start anew? Oh, I don't think you spend too much time on last year's game, even if it were a good game for us. Uh, you know, we're a different team than we were back then. They're a different team. Uh, sometimes you can look at scheme to see if they're going to attack us a certain way or how they might try to defend us. So that's all always part of the evaluation. But, you know, we're focused on this 2014 team, who we are, who they are. We'll rely on the tape up to this point in this season and hopefully put a good plan together and play well on Sunday night. Well, as you said many times, Coach, you take it any win where you can get it, particularly on the road. Great comeback win for you guys. Congratulations. Thanks, Coach. Have right. a great week. I love it when you get a chance to visit with the coaches like that, Steve. All right, I want to I bring something up. I talked earlier about uh, coming back to a Kirk Cousin. You mentioned Drew Stanton. I'm going to write for NFL.com this week about we have, every year there is some young, up-and-coming backup quarterback that gets an opportunity. And everybody gets all, you know, giggly over, oh, this guy's going to be good. And, and the list goes, it goes back to Cody Carlson, and they ran Warren Moon out of town because of Cody Carlson. Rob Johnson the one year in Jacksonville, right? Then he goes up to Buffalo. Kevin Cobb in Philadelphia. Matt Flynn. I did Matt Flynn's game against the Green Bay or against Detroit where he threw six touchdown passes. Yeah. You know, this is, we're going to throw money at this guy, give him a $10 million yeah. guarantee. He goes to Seattle. We know what happened there. We got a couple guys now, and it always comes up. We saw Josh McCowan, 13 touchdowns, one interception. Some people thought, hey, get rid of Jay Cutler. Keep Josh McCowan. Not going real good down in uh, Tampa Bay for him right now, notwithstanding the injury. Hope he gets back real quick. We have a couple guys right now. Kurt Cousin is obviously the flavor of the day. Has played very well the last two games. And we'll talk about when RG3 comes back. Let's start with a Kirk Cousin. Then we can talk about Drew Stanton because the way he's playing, people are going to start saying, let's go get Drew Stanton. Let's, let's talk about where we think these are. Is Kirk Cousin the real deal? Is Kirk Cousin going to either there in Washington or go someplace else and be a legitimate guy? Whoa. Okay. So Take yeah, a breath and answer that. You need to take a breath. <laughs> um, that's a, that's, this is a juicy topic because you are right. So many times a guy – a backup quarterback will play and play well, and then all of a sudden he, you know, his stock goes way up and people buy. And uh, when they move to teams that are different systems, different supporting cast, it's just not the same. 
It's just not the same. And, and that game that you called when Matt Flynn threw for six touchdowns against Detroit uh, at the, at, in Lambeau, it earned him $10 million. That was a good payday for that game, wasn't it? And, and I, I actually went up and watched when he was competing with Russell Wilson against Matt Flynn. They expected, remember, Matt Flynn to win that job because he was a veteran guy. You could tell by watching practice, and nothing against Matt Flynn. He's a good quarterback, but clearly the rookie was a, was a better fit for this offense. And so, and, you know, obviously, it's, he's proven that to be true. Um, Kurt Cousins now, on the other hand, this is not going to be a one- or two-game uh, sample size for him. He's going to have he – had, he had a handful of games last year, and he played pretty well. He didn't win as a starter, but he came off the bench. He played – got your attention. And all of a sudden, boy, did he get our attention, 30 of 48 before 27 and three touchdowns this year or this week against the Eagles. He showed us a lot. He's going to keep playing. He's going to play another four or five games, maybe longer than that. So I think his audition will be such that the Redskins will have a pretty good view of him under the gun, and, and so will other teams. He's got another year on his contract. Remember that. And RG3 has another year on his contract. Remember that. And he could be, he could be uh, the team could exercise that fifth-year option on RG3 if they want to. So I think they're going to let this play out. Let Kurt Cousins, hey, show us what you got, buddy. And then uh, they and other teams will make a decision. In a perfect world, you keep both of those guys, right? Yeah, and, and I'll be interested to see because you're right. I think that will be the difference. I think we'll see enough of a body of work. That as a team and organization, you'll feel good enough about going, okay, yeah, let's give this guy, and then that's the question. What do you, what do you pay that guy? You're not going to get one of these $100 million contracts, Heck but no. then w- beyond what you've got to give out to go, if you've got to go trade for him is, okay, because he's going to want a new contract, what does that contract look like? So follow the money, and, and we'll find out. So the history of that type of player has not been real good. But that doesn't mean that the next guy, if it's Kurt Cousin, that it's not going to turn out that way. Um, let's a couple takeaways. Uh, we are, I, for me, it was already I referred to it to, to Jason Garrett, you know, calling the FBI because, you know, we've had a lot of free safeties kidnapped yesterday. Because every time I'm doing game day live and every time I look up, there's someone running down the middle of the field catching a bomb and there's not a free safety in the, in the picture. I don't know where free safeties are going or what we're drawn up where it's like they've disappeared. Well, you know how it is in the, these days. We're trying to draft safeties that can come in the box and, and tackle, come down and cover a slot, and we're asking them to do everything. They're not like the last line of defense sometimes. We're, we're asking those guys uh, a lot. You know, there, there, there was a lot of bombs down the field this week, but overall, Brian, this, with that new emphasis in defensive holding and legal contact, there's actually been fewer passing yards in the first two weeks anyway. I haven't checked it after this weekend, but there hasn't been as much passing as there was a year ago, and I thought there would be. Hang on. You know, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Well, I, know, I know we will, and some of it might depend on the weather coming up, but, but uh, all these new rules of emphasis invite you to pass more, right? Oh, yeah, I and mean, you would think, and, but, but it, it always tends to even itself out. What do you got? What, what jumped out at you yesterday? Okay, how about all these rookie quarterbacks playing? Yeah. So we're going to end up starting uh, Teddy Bridgewater over there with the Vikings, right? He's going to be the guy. Castle's hurt. You got Blake Bortles. You know, the Jags aren't a very good team, and they're just searching for answers and trying to get a spark. And, of course, Derek Carr has yep. been playing pretty, pretty well for the Raiders, and they were right in that game against the Patriots. Are you kidding me? And then, and, So those three young quarterbacks are playing, and the guy 
that we talked about all offseason, all draft, all combine. Hey, Johnny Football is not playing. He's getting, he's getting beaten out by Brian Hoyer, who's had three starts under his belt. And you know what? The kid is hanging on to his job. Yes, he Brian is. Hoyer for the Browns is playing well, and he's keeping Johnny Manziel on the bench. It, it's kind of fun watching this whole thing uh, come to fruition where the other guys are finally found their way in, and Johnny's still having to be very patient. I, I, you play fantasy football? Nope. Okay, because I, I, you know, I don't either. As coaches, I tell people all the time, when I got fired, I didn't get fantasy fired, so I go nowhere. We had Michael hey. Fabiano on Game Day Live yesterday, and I'll tell you, that defined for me why I don't play fantasy football. They were talking about, he'd come on set, and we're talking about Andrew Luck, and he's talking about how he's a great value as a fourth-round pick. In any universe what? where Andrew Luck what? is a fourth-round fourth pick, pick in the fantasy draft, yeah, in any universe that Andrew Luck is a fourth-round pick. I, I don't know how to operate in that world. There goes all the credibility out the window right yeah, there. How about I don't the day he that. had I yesterday? I don't get that. Oh, my God. Look, can I tell you why I don't like fantasy football? Okay. And I, I know to. there's millions of people going, what? Okay, so I'm coaching in Detroit, I'm, and we're playing against the Eagles, and they had T.O., remember? And he's, boom, he scores a touchdown. Wait a minute. He was with the Dallas Cowboys. Scores a touchdown against us in Detroit. And the, some of the crowd starts cheering. <sighs> and I'm going, what the heck is that? They're, they're cheering for the other team. They scored a touchdown. And my coach up top, Shuggy, he goes, Coach, he's on their fantasy football team. Nobody on our team's on their fantasy football team. He's on their team. I'm going, that really kind of irritates me a little bit because, because it dilutes your loyalty, right? When, when we're growing up, you rooted for your team, and you didn't, like, want anybody else to have any success against you. And so that just warped me right out. And so that's why I don't do fantasy football. I told Fabiano, I said, I said why don't you – do you get any points for winning and losing in fantasy football? Is that part of They go, oh, no, 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 that has nothing to do with it. I said, you're kidding me. I <laughs> yeah. said, well, well so, what if you put winning and losing as part of the factory? He says, no, that would really screw it up. You, you can't have fantasy football with winning and losing. Okay, you, you lost me on that one. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm through with fantasy football. Never started it either. <laughs> <laughs> We're, are we old or what? Uh, Thanks for checking out the Coach's Show podcast. We'll be back next week. For more, go to NFL.com slash podcast. <laughs>